Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. Relax, you have found the right place. We're here to serve. Join us, holding to pure grace. Again, relax, join in with us. Listen on, be blessed. Defenders of Grace. Hello again, everyone out there in Grace Guard Dog Land, and welcome again to another edition of the Guardians of Grace podcast. My name's Bill, and I'm here with my longtime buddy, Grace Guard Dog Steve. Hello, everybody. And I just wanted to give a thank you to Steve for the kind words you shared last podcast in my absence. So, oh, I, I. I read them just like you wrote them down, Bill. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> well, thank you for doing that. Yes, yes. And anytime you need me to <laughs> say kind things, just write them down and I'll, I'll read them off. Okay, that was a podcast secret that you just let out, but <laughs> but it is, and it it, it was. I'm glad to be back. That's what I got got to say. We're glad to have you back, Bill. I missed you. I, I I missed it. It's much better spirit to spirit podcasting. It, same here, man. It. I felt like I was here though because I was really into the podcast and really getting excited about what I'm seeing happen in our uh, podcast library the podcasts seem to be you know going along little by little but the library is a lot of activity a lot of activity all over the world people read old listen to old episodes much more than they listen to the newer episodes yeah it, it seemed like they're just kind of you can almost track them just going through podcast by podcast so that's hey that's great yeah yeah um, what's the rule that says they have to do it the latest one we do first well, no i would say our earlier podcast laid a foundation for the later podcast and i've been reading stuff you sent me on how to do blogs and how to get podcast notice and uh, we're not doing any of those things <laughs> we're trying we're trying so the the podcasts that are getting listened to is kind of supernatural or spirit natural mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it's it's definitely not it's, our tech savviness of getting no, things out in front of people it's much appreciated because it's the guard dogs doing it you guys are Telling your friends about the podcast, people in Illinois, people in South Carolina, those places just have big groups of people that are listening to the podcast. I don't know if you're all communicating with each other out there, but there's a big group in Texas, a big group in California, quite a few podcasts get downloaded from those states. And 
I, know I hope you are communicating with each other. But please, please, please keep spreading the word. Tell as many people about the podcast as you possibly can. We need the dog pound. Out yes. There. Yes. I uh, I listened to the last podcast on your very clear understanding, very clear presentation, I think is the better word, of do we have a free will. That's such a sensitive subject, and it's such a... a sacred when, cow. Yeah, it is a sacred, sacred, sacred cow. When it comes to a sacred cow, the best argument won't convince someone that's already made up their mind. It's like they... I've been in that situation before. It's like you, you won't even listen. If, if somebody told them a, a doctrine and they love that person and respect that person, the love and respect for that person can literally put muffs over their ears or blinders over their eyes so they won't see the truth because it means that person that they loved and respected didn't quite have it right. and. We understand that when we're taking on these sacred cows, we don't mean to belittle anybody or to harm anybody or anything. We're just mentioning these things because we think there's a real need for us to get this right. And it seems that Satan's number one tactic for causing trouble in the church is to is because he, he can overpower the human nature, but he can't overpower the spirit. So he causes you to think that you have a free will. So in your own human nature, you will try and make choices to prevent him from doing what he does or run rampant in your life you will choose not to let him do that and he overpowers your human determination your human will he can overpower and he keeps that a secret that he can't overpower the spirit though yeah it reminds me of Romans seven eleven. I think it is since seizing an opportunity afforded by the commandment yes deceived me and produced in me coveting of every kind produced in me so it took that commandment you shall not covet and made deceive the person into into thinking you if I stop choose covet, not to covet you gotta choose it's a choice it is a choice coveting is a choice once you get into that wrap, then you put yourself under the law. The, the, the word sin, seizing an opportunity, is actually a military term. It's like the starting point of an ambush. It's a trap laid out by the devil. They get you to do something that's good but in your own energy. In your own energy. So, yeah, it's a choice, but depending on the spirit is the choice also, and that's the better choice. And you're able to make that 
choice to depend on the spirit when you when you realize the absolute futility of trying to not covet by mere human effort or by the strength of your flesh which has no strength and literally doing what you don't want to do and not doing what you do want to do Romans 7 18 to 19 doing yeah. the very evil you hate that we're in agreement with a legalist he hates sin we hate sin yes he doesn't want to covet we don't want to covet he chooses not to sin and we choose not, not to sin the method is where the difference is. Yes. We say depend on the spirit. Right. And that's the what Satan does not want you to do. And he masks or veils that idea of dependency on the spirit through the notion of free will, which is just nowhere in the Bible. It's just not there. It's a ploy from Satan himself. It's his number one tactic against the Christians, and it's prevalent throughout Christianity. Otherwise, you'd have to say from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and Adam and Eve going forward that everyone chose to sin. Right. Not a single person said, oh, okay, I won't. And how many people in the modern day church say, oh, you sin because you choose to? I hear that five, ten times a week. But you sin because you didn't choose to. You chose not to. You just sinned anyway. Yeah. That's the whole mystery which was not revealed to the Israelites during the Mosaic Covenant. But in the New Covenant, that mystery that even though you choose not to sin, you sin because sin dominates your human strength that was a mystery that has been revealed it's supposed to be revealed and Satan just added this notion of free will and veiled it again and it brings us to today's podcast because there's something that was hidden for generations past but now it's revealed to us and that's Christ in us, the hope of glory. But also, this word capacity, that in John 14, it says, I go to prepare a place for you. The word place there means capacity. Remember when Esau and, is that Hebrews 12, I think? Mm-hmm. He said he he choose, chose to repent? Yes. But what did it say? he could not find the capacity to do it. He couldn't find a place to do it. He's, apparently Esau wanted to change his mind, receive the blessing, but he didn't have the capacity. And that brings us to, we, we thought we'd do maybe of the next three or four weeks before Easter on the Upper Room Discourse. That's part of it. And it starts out really in chapter 13. Uh, I wanted to focus, if we could start on chapter 14, because it's a verse that everyone's familiar with. Oh, well, go ahead and read it then, Bill. I don't have my Bible in front of me, but let me get it. But you know it. 
Let not your heart be troubled. Right. Of course, that comes from Sean Hannity when he hands off the next show to Ingram. (laughs) (laughs) He uses that phrase. But it's a phrase you hear a lot. Yes, yes. Let not your heart be troubled. Right. You believe in God, believe also in me. And my Father's house are many mansions, quoting from the King James. If, for, if it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you might be also. I didn't know I memorized that. <laughs> yeah. Can, can we get rid of that word mansion, though? It's just not there. That, that's a bad word to use. It's the King James. Yeah. Well, we can because 14.1, let not your heart be troubled. It doesn't really belong to chapter 14, does it? No, it belongs belongs to before the cock crows three times, you'll deny me, let your heart not be troubled. And then should be 14 in my father's house. It belongs to 13. You're right. It's Peter when he says, I will never betray you, Jesus. Right. I got your back. Nothing's going to happen to you. And we all think, you know, Peter became a coward, but he didn't. The guy was a brave guy. When he said, I I won't let anything happen to you, I'll die for you. And he cut off the ear of a servant named Malchus, who worked for the Roman cohort. If I remember right, a, a Roman cohort is... Is it 600 or 6,000? 6,000 people. Yes. So that's, just say 600. Mm -hmm. 600, the apostles with Jesus make up 12 because Judas had already left. So that's 12 against 600. That's 50 to 1 odds. It takes a brave person to start a fight with a Roman cohort because when you cut off... swinging the sword. Yeah. He signed his death certificate when he did that. Yeah. But Jesus healed the guy's ear and he allowed himself to be arrested. Let me get back to... Okay. In my father's house are many mansions. Let let not your heart be troubled. Let's say abodes. Okay. Well, the word is abode. I know. That's why I want to say it. <laughs> <laughs> so Can you want to stick to the original Greek? Can't we just say abode? <laughs> I just want to say abode, you know? But I want a mansion, Steve. <laughs> I'm, my heart's troubled I want a mansion. Because yeah, we can abide in the abode. These guys aren't troubled about where they're going to live in heaven. They're troubled because... The one they love, the one they love being around, the one they just want to be with day and night and hang on every word he says. They've never had it better in their life. These are young, impressionable guys. And this guy says, I'm going away. And their hearts are troubled. They don't like this. Mm -hmm. But he says, it's good that I go away because I'll come back. Yes. Verse 14, let not your heart be troubled, belongs to chapter 13. That's what they're troubled about. Chapter 14. Chapter 14. Let not your heart be troubled. 
Yeah, thanks for... Yes. Did I say verse? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Chapter 14, Let Not Your Heart Be Troubled, belongs to chapter 13. Do you want to do the mansions? The we're not going to call mansions? Yeah, the abodes. Okay, let's talk about the abodes. Okay. There's a few... We might have a... A redneck Greek word study here. We haven't okay. had one of those. Haven't in had one of those in a long time. Okay, there's three words we need to get a definition of. In my father's house, that's one, right? House. What's that mean? Are many abodes. Abodes. <laughs> what does that mean? If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place. What does that mean? So let's look up house, abode. I didn't say mansion. Mm -hmm. House, abode, and place. Yes. House is the Greek word oiko, and we get our word economy from it. Oh, wow. It's the, it's the way... It runs, I guess you could say. So in my father's economy, that's a big difference. Yes. There's many... Why would they say house when it's economy? Why? Well, that's that's what it means. When, when your finances are a mess, what do they say to you? Get, Get your house in order. <laughs> yeah. So you go... And Make probably because the, the, probably because somebody misinterpreted economy for house and started it's a household budget, right? Mm-hmm. E- economy is a household budget. Yes. So God has an economy. Yes. And the economy is called what? The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. Or the the kingdom of heaven. Yes. Those are interchangeable. And there's a currency to the kingdom of heaven. There's to a the economy of the kingdom and of heaven. It's also called the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, and the eternal life all mean the same thing. Yes, they do. So, in my father's house are many abodes. Yes. Not mansions, Not abodes. Mansions. Another reason mansion doesn't work is how do you put a mansion in a house? Yeah, how about that? And then I'm going to prepare a place for you. What what are we told all the time? He's building mansions. What says... And we think the mansions are up there in the third heaven somewhere, that he's building mansions that we're going to someday go to, which couldn't be further from the truth because the kingdom of God anytime it's ever mentioned the kingdom of God the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom here on earth it's always about an earthly kingdom it never once described a kingdom up in heaven when God wanted to say something about like meeting up in heaven he would say your father who is up in heaven He would just say it point blank like that. But when he ever talked about the kingdom of God, he was talking about a kingdom down here and an economy down here. So the economy of God, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, the eternal life, 
as many abodes. That's what Jesus said. Yes. Don't let your heart be troubled. Yes. As many abodes, I go to prepare a place for you. So place was capacity. Yes. Abode is dwelling place. It's also, abode is the noun for abide, which is in chapter 15. Right. So his economy is when you have the capacity to abide in Christ. Did I say that right? Or have the capacity for Christ to abide in you. Yes. Which Peter doesn't have at the moment, depending on his own courage, strength, capacity to to say, I will not deny you. He, he Also, he needs Jesus to go to the third heaven and prepare Peter down here on earth to be a clean vessel for God to abide in or dwell in. That should be the fourth word in our redneck Greek word study. I go to prepare a place for you, and that word means, what does that mean? Prepare is halo mizo. I butchered that, I'm sure. And it means to make ready. It's from a oriental word, apparently, and it's the word they would use to, when dignitaries would come through, they would level the paths and move everything out of the way so that the the dignitary would have a level place to a comfortable place to travel on travel on well who's the dignitary that we're going to receive when he says I come again isn't that the spirit yes the spirit needs to have a place made ready for it yes and a place made ready for it has to be in someone with a clear conscience, not a sin conscience. You cannot serve in the spirit with a sin conscience. You, you, right? Yeah, you, you, you can't be conscious of sin if you're a clean vessel. And that's what he's made you a clean vessel. So he's made you ready by going to the cross and paying for your sins, past, present, and future. An act that Hebrew says was done before the foundation of the world. Amen. Amen. But manifested in the realm of time. And now is that time. So we are made ready. And he says he's going away in chapter 13. And isn't that kind of like some of the parables where it says the kingdom of God is like a man that goes away on a journey? In the upper room discourse, he's speaking to them plainly, which they make note of. And the upper room discourse takes place the night that he's betrayed. Amen. Just days before that, he's speaking to the crowds again, the multitudes. And he speaks to the multitudes only in parables. So that seeing they would not see, in hearing they would not hear, and understanding they would not understand. Yes. 
that's another podcast because I've always been told that parables were told so that we could understand clearly what he's saying, but they're actually the opposite is true. They're designed to throw you off. Yes. So in the upper room discourse, he says plainly, "I'm going away, and then I'm going to return, and I'm going to change the economy." in the parables but it's hidden and two good ones are Matthew 25 can you find those mm-hmm okay because it's such a big passage and we everybody knows it real well I'll just kind of tell you what's going on it, it's saying Jesus is given the parable and he's saying the kingdom of God is like a guy who went and gave his subjects one subject ten talents one subject five talent and one subject one talent and the subjects with ten and five talents each produced much fruit with that talent and the one who only received one talent didn't produce anything with the one talent and it's actually you wonder what this parable is about, but once you understand what a talent is, then you can unlock the parable in its meaning. So tell us what a talent is. Well, I'll tell you what a talent is not. And I'll tell you that because I always thought it, that's what it, I thought a talent was a skill set maybe. Right, he gave you a certain skill set, the gift to do this, and you didn't do it. A talent is a measurement; it's a weight, and it's a weight used to measure silver, gold, and costly stone. Silver, gold, and costly stone. It's a measurement. When Jesus spoke about the talent in this parable where they seeing they wouldn't see he was actually paralleling 1 Corinthians 3 10 through 16 talking about at the end of time your works will be judged by fire to see if you produced talents measures of silver, gold, and costly stone, which those talents are produced by the Holy Spirit. When it's saying the guy had ten talents and produced ten more, it's because the Spirit produces the talent. The guy that didn't have any real talents, only had one, he didn't produce much. Even what he had was taken away because in him the spirit did not produce much silver, gold, and costly jewelry. Not a big measure of that. Not a talent. And it depended on the way the guy with one talent saw God. He said, I saw you as an, I knew, actually it says he knew and saw just like the kingdom of God works. 
they will all experience you because they will see you. So this parable is actually the same idea that is in Matthew 13. It talks about a man that goes away on a journey. Jesus said, I'm going away on a journey. Yes. And I'm going to return. And I'm going to give you capacity. What is capacity? It's the spirit. It's the silver, gold, and costly stone. It's the way you... It's the way the economy of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, the eternal life works. It's the currency, the spirit. The currency of the kingdom is the spirit. Is the spirit. And it's pictured as, what, silver, gold, and costly stone. Yes. That's why it's also pictured as your inheritance, because you can have part of your inheritance now, and you get part of that inheritance each time you get a manifestation of the Spirit. That's part of your inheritance that you get now before the, the great white throne judgment. You can get some of your inheritance now because you can get some form of manifestation of the Spirit now, and that produces gold, silver, and costly jewelry. Each time the Spirit works through you, it produces a measure, a talent of gold, silver, and costly jewelry. It's what the parable turns out to be about. The This end-time judgment where you can produce wood, hay, and stubble or gold, silver, and costly jewelry. And it is predicated on knowing that Jesus was going to prepare you to be a vessel of God so that Jesus would dwell in you as his abode and live through you and do for you what you can't do for yourself, which is produce gold and silver. You can't do that yourself. It takes the spirit of him who does it through you, that's why he said, I'm going to prepare you guys as vessels for the kingdom of God, and vessels you are, and I inhabit those vessels, and I work out God's eternal purpose through each and every one of my vessels. They are my instruments to work through. And Jesus, through this parable, he gives us a secret out. Remember, he says, the one he gave ten talents, five talents, and the, to the one, the other he gave one talent, and the guy with one talent buried it. And what was his reason for burying it? Because he saw God the same way Adam and Eve saw God after they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They saw God from a human pers- perspective as somebody who wants us to perform at a level that is acceptable to him that we could never perform at. He was looking at us with human eyes as the father that we're supposed to please, as the taskmaster that we're supposed to please, that we never could please. So he just did nothing because he knew he couldn't do anything when he's viewing God that way from your human point of view, which is the only way 
your human nature can view God as. You are by nature an object of wrath. You're by nature an object of God's disappointment. Oh, exactly. And that was the whole key to the last guy with the one talent not producing any fruit was the way he saw God. There was an abundance of the human nature and not abundance of the divine nature. Therefore, he was manifesting the mind of the flesh, not the mind of the spirit. So you, you see now why chapter 14 really should be the end of chapter 13 when he says, let not your heart be troubled. In my father's house are many mansions. <laughs> no, I see it. He's saying, don't let your heart be troubled because I'm going to create the capacity for you to be the vessel that which you I don't have now. Through, which you don't have now, but I'm going to do all that for you and you will be good, clean vessels that I will inhabit and I will use and I will accomplish things through and you'll get the glory for it and then you'll ultimately give me the glory for what I'm doing through you and you will be able to live this new covenant life that we're talking about where it's predicated on me putting my spirit in you to do for you what you can't do for yourself and you giving me the credit for what I do through you, the essence of the new covenant that we live under. And he's saying, I'm going to prepare you here on earth, not up in the third heaven. I'm not building anything up there. That's what, that wasn't what he was troubled about. No. He was just told a rooster is going to You're going to throw me. But you're going to deny me three times. Yes. And he had to get him ready for this epic failure. Right. He did. He wouldn't feel worthy unless he knew that Jesus was going to go make him feel worthy. And he still didn't even understand it. D- didn't understand it. Not till he received the Spirit. And that gives us tells us the things we've been freely given. Given. First Corinthians chapter two tells us the things we've been made ready to do. Been made ready to do. Yes. In tells us of this new covenant that we're supposed to have clear in our minds that he prepared us to be vessels that he works through and we were born again his spirit was placed into us and we use the spirit of God to accomplish a successful Christian life and please the people around us we do rely on the spirit to make our spouses happy we rely on the spirit to make the people around us enjoy fellowship with us and and feel confident that our advice is good to them because we're giving them wisdom from above not human earthly natural wisdom from below as james calls it We pick on Peter a lot, but look at the change in Peter from before the cross to after the cross. 
he was the guy that during the storm went woke up Jesus and said, don't you care? Right. And then he writes in his letter, cast your cares upon Jesus, for he cares for you. So he goes from you don't care to he cares for you. Something happened. He was given a capacity to trust the Holy Spirit that he didn't have before, right? That comes from being made ready. That's why your heart shouldn't be troubled because I'm going to make you ready. I'm going to give you a new capacity. I'm going to give you a, a new wine, but I'm also going to give you a new wineskin. You can't do the things of the Spirit with the old wineskin. They're stretched beyond their capacity, and what happens? They burst. Another parable, right? About the kingdom of God. You can't just do the kingdom of God things. You have to be given a capacity. And the capacity that you're given is but dependence upon the Holy Spirit. That's why Grace Guard Dog Steve gets so angry when he just suggests that, well, just man up and do it. Mm. Doesn't that make more sense for let not your heart be troubled? Yes, that I'm going to prepare you as a picture-perfect vessel a jar of clay so that the all-surpassing value may be of God and not of man. And you know what's so cool? Is not only did he make us ready, but we were made ready and we don't even know it. That's why it says the Spirit also, in, a, in, in addition to making you ready, also, what does it say? Reveals to us the things that are freely given to us. Reveals to us that we are righteous. His ministry is the ministry of righteousness. The Holy Spirit's ministry is the ministry of righteousness. The Holy Spirit's ministry is to say, remember your sins and lawless deeds. I will remember no more. That's exactly what it says in Hebrews 10. It says, the Spirit says... The Spirit says to you, remember your sins and lawless deeds. I will remember no more. And it says that to you when you've had a very, very bad day and you're condemning yourself and you've beaten yourself bloody with condemnation. The Spirit says, no, Steve, your sins and lawless deeds, God will remember no more. And it ministers righteousness to you. And Jesus said the same thing. You're already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. And he said, someone only needs his feet clean. You're already clean, but it's where you travel. You need to be reminded that you're already clean. And then he says, use this example of, from the way I understand it, I've never had a foot washing, but Apparently, it was the lowest of the lowest servant. The servant of all is the one that cleaned all their disciples' feet. And Peter said, no, I'll serve you. And Jesus said, no, Peter, unless you let me serve you, you have none of me. Exactly. That, that's the key to the, the, the way the Spirit works. Mm -hmm. Unless you let the Spirit does it, then you have no part of it. That's the economy of the kingdom. 
that is the economy, the oiko. The oiko of the kingdom. That's how the father runs his house. Yes. By the spirit's power, working through each and every person in the kingdom of God, each and every subject of the kingdom he works through. That's his economy. And in John 17, where he says, this is eternal life. Mm -hmm. And remember, eternal life means the same thing as the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. It's just the Apostle John's way of saying the same same thing. thing. Yeah, because what he's really saying, if we could get the translations, and I've searched for the right wording to use, but it's really the kingdom age life. Yes, eternal life is really the kingdom age life it's Ionion Zoe which is the life of the kingdom age life I know um, what's his name Um, Young's literal gets pretty close he tried so hard he said age during life and that's an 1800's term and it doesn't really it doesn't register but I've always tried to think of a word to a way to say kingdom age life, but you, you can't really say that from Ionion Zoe or Ion Zoe. You, you can't really say that, but it, it's what it the meaning it's trying to convey. It's the economy of the kingdom. The economy of the, the life of the. That's why. In my father's house, and my father's economy are many dwelling places. That's your spirit, where he dwells in you with his spirit. If it were not so, I would have told you. And he, he told us. And that's the economy. That's the house, in my father's house economy. I already know we already did that, so I'm beating the dead horse again. What was I saying? I don't know. I <laughs> Leave that. <laughs> but you said it with enthusiasm, Bill. That's what counts. <laughs> yes, I did. I am enthusiastic. That's right. That's right. That's right. But I was thinking more of when Adam and Eve ate of the forbidden fruit, Jesus said they have eaten of the fruit and they will experience age life is what it actually says back there in Genesis, that age, that the age life, the age life is, it, it, it doesn't say they'll live forever, but it says they'll experience the age life after eating from the knowledge of good and evil. And that is that one word that I'd love to be able to, to somehow master or come up with. Uh, in the age life, if we could use a capital T on the age life, I, I think I could have peace with that. The age life, yeah. It's, the, it's really the life of the spirit. The yeah. life of God's spirit. Or the kingdom that's coming. Eventually, the kingdom that's coming is going to be all lived by the spirit and the the kid will put his hand in the den of the snake because the snake won't have the nature of a snake it'll have the nature of the spirit in <laughs> the age to come it's funny because that's you that's really the only thing that repentance is 
use for. Repent for the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom age life is at hand. Exactly. exactly. It is with you and it shall be what? In you. Yes. The age life is at hand. Repent. Because there's going to be an age when the spirit is in control of everything and the planet will be a beautiful place when the spirit is in control of everything. Not when we have two natures that are both manifesting. Eventually, he's going to burn off one nature and we won't have that nature that embarrasses us anymore. We'll just have only the spirit in us and that'll be the age. Well, I'm excited because next week we're going to try and do John 15, which is the word abiding. Good deal. And where does that word abiding come from? Abode. Abode. (laughs) Comes from mansion, right? Comes from mansion. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to maybe close us in prayer? Okay. Father God, thank you. It's good to be back with my buddy Steve and talking about the kingdom of God and talking about what you accomplished on the cross, making us ready, preparing us as vessels, giving us life, giving us your spirit, giving us your love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against such things. Nobody has a problem with us. They love us. Take these thoughts. I know they were confusing at times, and I just pray that your spirit put them as life to the hearers of this podcast. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. We love you. Thank you, guys. Good night. We love you.